Welcome back to the Respected Arrive podcast. I'm Tedward, and today we're we're getting ready to close out 2021. I mean, it's been a weird year. I think a lot of people have had a massive struggle financially and emotionally through this pandemic, just trying to make ends meet. The housing market is depressing. Wow, what a terrible start to a podcast. Let me just bury you in miserable shit that you would like to not be thinking about. Let's all right, we're moving on. Either way, this was a good year for me. Let's put it that way, because this was my first year, full year, 12 months of being a full-time YouTuber, photographer, podcaster on occasion. I need to do that more. We're going to be getting there. And you know, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast for cheap, <laughs> you've got access. So send me an email, but I I just can't believe it worked. Um, I'm the first to believe, say, I, I can't believe it worked. This is fantastic. And today we have a guest who, who is kind of a YouTube hobbyist, but always takes it very, very seriously. He's got another job, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I, I just have had such an amazing group of friends and colleagues and sponsors, and this year has been a dream come true because I'm so excited that I can I can drive and share experiences with an audience, and, and that is how I'm making my living. It's, it's amazing. So I can't express more gratitude to those who listen, those who watch the channel and those who support on Patreon. That's massive. And I don't ask for much. I'm not, I don't, I really don't want big donations. You know, there are people who will donate like $10 a month. To me, that's like huge. I'm like, whoa, honestly, I would rather have, you know, hordes of people donating a dollar a month than a few big heavy hitter donors. Those always make me stressed out because then I'm like, oh no, I I, oh, I really owe them. <laughs> but anyway, and anyone who can support on Patreon, always a huge thing. But also just keeping my car safe, Garage 42 in Woburn, Massachusetts, and soon to open in Acton, Massachusetts, which a mu- with a much larger facility. Fantastic. Keeping my Porsche 911 and my E39 M5 in a climate-controlled, secure space really takes the stress off of me because I'm not hunting mice all the time. So if you are looking to get into a nice storage facility... Guess what? You might get off that wait list at the Woburn facility and into that Acton facility. So talk to Garage 42, give them a call, find out what the what the I don't actually don't know what the deal is. I don't know what their what their situation is right now and how they're booking these out, but they've got to build out the new facility. It's gonna be fantastic, just like the current one in Woburn, if you've seen it. But for 2022, I'm just looking forward to some stability. I think I can I can I can relax a little bit. It doesn't mean taking my foot off the gas, but the fact that I know that, ooh. What I do now means that I get to eat and have a place to live and, and I can I can be an adult human being and not fear that I'm not going to be without health insurance or the normal things that you would think like, oh, that's why I have a job in a corporate building because even though I hate it, I know I'm secure. I've, I feel like I've locked in a bit of security this year and that means that we can start making more interesting content or travel and things like that. So I, I am very excited about this for 2022. And in, and I know that a lot of folks are going to like lose their minds when I sell this M3 or most likely sell the M3. I probably won't turn it into a track car, but I'm getting a, like a normal daily driver. I'm going to get myself a new Honda Civic SI. Now this is not paid for or set in stone. Anything could change, but that's the current goal because I want a car that I can just stack thousands of miles on. 
and not be thinking about the maintenance. And that brings me to another thank you I have to issue to Wild Motorsport in Walpole, Massachusetts, my BMW mechanic, because they have done wonders for me this year, transforming the M5 into a leak-free, robust vehicle that I could now actually drive without worrying about needing AAA or, or mo- actually more likely David with a tow truck. And also... My M3, I mean, I've had vibrations, I've had leaks, I've had so many warning lights, weird electrical issues, and and right now, it's running great, knock on wood, because I really need this car to survive until I sell it. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't like selling cars that aren't perfect. I want to sell a, I want to sell a good car to somebody. I'm not some scammer. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, they won't notice this. You know, it's good to sell things that are in running condition. Uh, it's fine if you say, you know, maybe it needs some brakes, maybe it needs some tires, but actually we're all, we're all good right now. It's all gravy. So things are looking up. But today on the podcast, we've got Eli Rubin of the YouTube channel Ignition Tube. He's been around for a long time, and he's actually one of the people who got me involved in YouTube and introduced me to Dr. M3 way back in the day. The big headliner today is that he bought an E46 M3 with 341,000 miles on it. I actually went with him to go pick it up the other day. It was it was quite an experience, and we'll talk about what he's doing with the car, but also... I love hearing from YouTubers, especially YouTubers who started it as a hobby, not as a business. Like, I don't really care to hear about a business that has a YouTube channel, right? I mean, you're going to hire marketing people. You're going to hire a film crew. You're just going to churn out content that you know is going to support your brand and, and do well. Whereas when you have somebody like Eli who started as a teenager wrenching on his like hundred and something thousand mile Volkswagen GTI with his friends, like that's fun. That's how all these boys, all these guys started. I call them boys, you know, because you think about it, like TJ Hunt, Evan Shanks, like they started when they were kids. You know, they, they these were not men. <laughs> these were kids with cars and and doing as much as they could with the means they had. And I love that. So if you don't know him already, I'd like to introduce you to Eli Rubin. If you do know him, you'll probably get a little insight onto his life and how he really got started in this thing. Let's get going. You know what? I want to do something. I want to I want to just shamelessly bury the lead on your E46 for the later in the podcast because I do want people to get to know you a bit. You've you've been sure. in this like automotive YouTube game since you were a teenager. Uh and you're also one of the people who kind of got me into this in a way that made me feel like, "Wait a minute, this is a possibility." Because at the time I started watching YouTube, everybody was uh, a Shmi or a Seb Delaney or, you know, the British dudes who have tons of money. They're in Monaco. They've got supercars. And then here's Eli and his buddy Powen just wrenching on Volkswagens and old BMWs in the backyard on jack stands that I know are from like Harbor Freight or AutoZone or, you know, you guys aren't like massively wealthy kids. You live in a nice area, but like, you're not like tooling around in Lamborghinis you guys are in like 150,000 mile Volkswagens so where did this all get started when did you pick up a camera and decide I need to make this and who influenced you to do that uh you almost blew my cover with the Monaco thing there I have a a secret house over there so don't tell anyone (laughs) I'd be so pissed Um, if I knew you this long and we were not in your house (laughs) in Monaco yes no I uh I don't have Monaco money yet we Um, all want it we all want it it's wild (laughs) Um, but so I started out, uh, making YouTube videos of myself drumming in my basement. Uh, and I did that because I had another friend who was doing it and I was like, that's cool. 
I want the attention too. Like I saw him getting the attention, and so like in a in a weird like narcissistic way, I was like, I want attention. Like I'll make drum videos. Attention feels um, good. Don't be shamed about that. I, it feels nice when people say, "Hey, good job." I want, or you get like a million views on something, like or at the time, you know, like a thousand views. It feels really good. It does. It definitely does. Um, and then uh, I got talking back and forth, and uh, I left a comment on a Doc to M3 video, and he and I started talking back and forth. And uh, I mean, I've been in the car since since day one my first word was wheel um so it's always been a thing for me and i was like well why don't i take this passion for video and this passion for uh making content on youtube and take it out of a realm that constantly gets copyright claimed and blocked and and you have to change the pitch of the songs and do whatever that's true and turn it you have to be and really essentially careful. turn it into yeah essentially turn it into something where um i can make videos and showcase my passion for cars while also do something that I'm proud of at the end of the day. And so that's where that fine tune series came out of. It was essentially like meet the owner, have them drive their car. I didn't want to be driving people. I mean, I was 18 years old at the time. No one's going to hand me the keys to a 600 wheel horsepower Porsche. But if I get the owner to talk about their 600 wheel horsepower Porsche, um, I could still make a video on the car and still make it interesting. So uh, I did three seasons of that. Um, with a ton of help from Doc to M3. The reason I brought him up is Ignition Tube was initially his second channel that he hadn't done anything with. Um, and I took it over, and initially it was just to make the Fine Tune series. And then uh, through Doc to M3, I got to know TJ, and I got to know Evan, uh, TJ Hunt, Evan Shanks. Uh, we were all in a group chat, and they were making vlogs, and, and Doc to M3 was making vlogs. And I was like, you know what? Like, Why do I wait for the summertime to go home from college and film these videos and hope that I get enough filming in before the summer ends. And then my channel says dormant for the winter. Why don't I just point a camera at myself? Um, so uh, my first vlog, I believe, was in 2016 in the fall. I was out of uh, fine-tuned videos to make. And I was like, well, I'm going to ride around my GTI and point a GoPro at myself. Um, and uh, just kind of kept it going there. It was something that kind of kept me sane at school. I got out of kind of the, the school realm and the school mindset, got in my car, and I would just drive and go make a fun video. And you know, when you're starting fresh on YouTube, it's awesome because every topic that you ever think of becomes a video. Like yeah. I made a video on driving front wheel drive in the snow. I made a video of, is my GTI good for road trips, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, I covered all these great topics and it honestly got really good traction and, and more traction than what the fine tune series had done. The fine tune series, there were a couple different episodes that did really well. Yeah. You had a couple heavy was, hitters on that. Like there was like six or 700,000 views on a couple of those. But there's no continuity between them other than the series. Like, there's no reason for people to come back. And so what I realized when I started vlogging was um, when people have a, a core person to come back to, when, when I'm on camera and I'm kind of locking down uh, uh, what you can expect from each video, people start to watch more and more. And I started to see the same people comment over and over again. And so, I mean, Powan and I, I met Powan senior year of high school and, like, Three weeks later, we're dropping the exhaust off his E36, driving it across town in our buddy Brian's blazer because we didn't have a welder at Powell's house, welding something, driving it back in an even longer form um, and, and putting it in the garage. It, it just kind of happened naturally that, well, Powell and I are doing this stuff already. Why don't we put a camera on and film that too? So once I started filming vlogs, I, I brought the camera home and, you know, Powell and I were, uh, I think at the time, Powell was almost complete with his E36 turbo build. So we got like the, the final ends of that. And I mean, really, it was us learning both 
car stuff and learning how to make videos and learning how to make stuff entertaining. And we're looking at channels like Mighty Car Mods with millions of views. Um, and we're like, wow, we want to be like them. And I think over time, Pound and I both developed our kind of unique uh, video styles. And that's why um, Pound and I both have separate channels now. There's no you know hidden beef or anything. It's just Pound likes to do the really hands-on this step, then that step, then this step, whereas I like to look back and say, here's the three steps that we just did. Here's the final product. Here's some sexy footage of it. Sure. Um, well, were you guys friends before? I mean, was YouTube like the catalyst for your friendship? Or were no, you... no, no, no. We we were doing car stuff way before okay. All uh, right. YouTube stuff. We we bought. We were in senior year English class, and he was like, "I like cars," and I was like, "I like cars." And uh, and the rest we, of the school was just... like, "You two are idiots. Cars are dumb. We're gonna go get laid yes. and drink beers." And you were like, "Losers." <laughs> yeah, losers. We're gonna go cut an exhaust off this E36 <laughs> and weld it at a different house. That's my life um, too. I definitely was not cool. Being a car. This is the funniest thing about cars. Is like. I think in within the car world, there's like this idea that cars are cool and that cars are macho. And in the rest of the world, no, we're horse girls. We're like, oh God, just shut up, just shut up about. I your was just about car. to bring up that example. <laughs> yeah, car car people are definitely horse people in in car form. Um, yeah, it, it, I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah, it's terrible. Inside the car world, it's cool to make car videos. It and really outside is. the car world, it's like, haha, you make, like, especially for you, you put a camera on your forehead and film a steering wheel and people watch it. And, and yet in the car world, Tom, you're, you're a big deal. It's funny. And, 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 and it's always a really humble reminder when you talk to like your family and they're like, oh, what do you do? And you tell them and they're like, uh huh, that's nice. And, and well, you're I like, have, oh, right. I have both ends of that. Not only do I have to explain YouTube, but I run digital ads for my day job at FCPRO. Oh, yeah. So so I have to explain uh, uh, what what a Google ad is, where I show up, and then they're like, aren't you the ones that are abusing our data? And so I have to t explain that. And then after I get finished explaining Google ads, they're like, well, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, oh, I point a camera at myself and wrench on cars. And they're like, why? And at that point, I usually just leave the conversation. Yeah, it's time to go. Um, it's time to go. It's hard to, it's a, it, I'm sick of talking about it. It's so hard to explain to somebody who doesn't get it. And, and it sounds really narcissistic. It's like, cause basically what, the, when they ask you like, why, what they're saying is like, why are you so special? Or why do you think you're so special that anyone would watch right. you? Well, how about this? Now, what was it like? Cause, cause I gotta, you know, it was not lost on me that you had you know, relative to who I was watching, you had a lot of subscribers when I kind of, we met through YouTube. I would not know you if it were not for ignition tube, uh, that there was definitely no situation, um, in, in which you, you would have crossed paths with me maybe at a car show, but I don't think I would have recognized who you were, or we probably wouldn't have figured this out. I had a camera, you had a camera, and I knew that you were getting big because you were somewhere in the 30,000 subscriber range, I think, when I met you. Yeah. Um, what was it like? When did you notice that your channel started like getting because like, you don't just accidentally hit 30,000 subscribers. You don't accidentally hit 5,000 subscribers. Like that's like a, a job. Um, I think, well, first of all, let, let's comment on the subscriber number. Um, when you hit 5,000 numbers, you're the coolest, 5,000 subscribers, you're the coolest person in the world. When you hit 10,000, that's even cooler. When you hit 20,000 and you finally get past the like single digit and it starts with a two, I remember I'm sitting in my senior year, uh, uh, I forget what project it was. And I had the YouTube live subscriber count in high school. No, 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 no. In, in college, my oh, senior oh, year oh, of college, oh. um, I had the YouTube subscriber count up. 
uh, and it hit, it, maybe it was 30,000, it was either 20,000 or 30,000. I'm just like watching it and the number changed and I was like, wow, that's just like one more person. But look at this number. It starts with a three now instead of a two or a two instead of one. I forget exactly what it's it was. bananas. Um, it feels insane. It feels insane. And then you get to the point where I'm at now where, you know, I have, I have 66,000 people and I'm like, wow, like 66,000 is, is really cool and I shouldn't take it for granted, but like, look at all these people with like 100, 200, 300, 400. Like, it's going to take so long to get to that. I well, think, I mean, well, what people don't see is that I've been in this YouTube game a long time um, and, and it there's no there's really been no... Uh, blast off moment for me yet maybe it's to come with this e36 or e46 i don't know but uh it's just kind of been a a slow burn but the great part of that and and when i realized that this was like you know a a real thing and that people were watching my videos is when i would start to go to car meets especially volkswagen meets and random people would pull up with mark 5 gtis which is what i had at the time when i like really started making the vlog stuff and they go hey i saw your video on you know the flash to pass bulb so i did that on my car Or, or hey uh, what tune would you recommend? Suddenly I realized that people respected my opinion purely because I was documenting my stuff online. Yeah, and that's wild because it's like, and, and the number actually has influence on that because somebody somebody is going to give you more credit. The number gives you credibility. Having a, a 50 or 60,000 subscriber channel gives you the ability for somebody to say like, well, they they should know what they're doing because they are they have to be held accountable to all these people. Um, but I want to go back a little bit because like, look, I, I've definitely felt the woes of watching people grow or or you know surpass you and and i and I, I think this is really common in the music and acting world or even modeling where you might have a group of friends right and all your friends are actors you're all actors you're all living in some shithole apartment in la and you're all trying to audition and you're all busting your ass and you're all doing different things and then like one of them gets the break right like one of them gets a break and it's a break that any one of you could have gotten it's a break that you're like fuck that should have been me but you've also got to be happy for your friend and you've got to be like okay good they're off and like the thing is it like it fires off in this weird way because it's not a meritocracy it is not because you put in more hours or you put in more whatever it's like because you were more palatable at an individual moment that gave you that blast off moment or that gave you something that you said, ah, shit, this is the direction I've been doing all these dramas. I really need to be in a dark comedy sitcom, right? Like that's what YouTube to me is now. I feel like you more than anyone has probably kind of felt that because you were pretty close with, and I don't want to get too crazy personal with these people, but like, I mean, you were, you were, there's like lots of logs of you with like TJ hunt and Evan Shanks and stuff. And you guys were all kind of around the same you know, size at this time. Like what I had a, I had a bigger YouTube channel than TJ when I met him. Yeah. He had like 14,000 subscribers and I had like 25,000 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, so uh, to a certain extent, I agree with you that, that it's frustrating when, when, you know, certain people take off and you're, you have those, why not me moments. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I haven't had those moments. No, uh, but if, you, if you said that, I'd call your shit because I know I've had those moments about fucking tons of people when I'm sitting there struggling with 10,000 being like, Oh my God, I did the same thing. And why not? Or you have a good video and it doesn't gain subscribers and you're like, wow, I'm trash. Right. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I guess over the years, and some of this is just, it just comes with the territory and it comes with time and it comes with learning. Um, I've learned that ultimately, like to see your friends succeed is a good thing. And that's the beauty of YouTube. It's not like acting. It's not like uh, music where there's a set amount of, of gigs to get, or there's a set amount of roles to play. Like uh, if, if my friends are succeeding, like 
that is sick because they're not stealing from my stuff. They're adding more content so more people get on YouTube, more people consume content, and ultimately, some of those people will trickle down to my videos through either collaborating with these people or, or just having to be in the same genre. So it, it definitely took me a little bit of time, but I mean, I'm, I'm also thankful that you know th this YouTube thing is still a fun thing for me um, because I, 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 I have a family now. Like I, I, have, I have a two and a half year old. It's, it's nice to have a day job that keeps the lights on. And you know what? If I don't get a YouTube video out next week, people message me and say, hey, where's the Thursday video? But I'm not like, oh, shoot, you know, my YouTube paycheck is going to go down by a quarter because I'm only posting a video every week. Sure. Uh, my YouTube paycheck is going to go down by a quarter this month. What will I do to compensate that? What brands do I need to get on board? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and that's not knocking anyone who's, who's gone full time on YouTube and is doing the grind. But man, like, you know, you, you see some of these people go through periods of, of uh, uh, slower viewership or, you know, the channel, they, they say something and, and the channel really goes downhill real quick or something on those lines. And uh, it's those moments that I'm thankful, like, man, like, you know, I'm glad I haven't had my big break and I haven't had to make a decision between uh, posting YouTube full time or, or doing my job full time. It's nice that YouTube is a fun thing. And I think that that has ultimately been what's kept it fresh for me over all these years. I, I mean, there was a point this summer that I was really burnt out on the content that I was making. Um, and, and after a lot of self-reflection, which we've had plenty of time to do being locked down at home, Definitely. Um, I think it's ultimately that the S6 as a, as a car, I have a C7 S6, is, is not a great car for producing content the way that my S4 and my GTI was. The SQ5 was kind of middle ground, and that was great because it was short term, but I plan on keeping this S6 long term. And so my mods have been slow and deliberate with it. And when I'm making content on, on cars and modifying cars and I have a car that I don't want to just rush through, um, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm just making the same video over and over again because there's nothing fresh. The RS4 was my kind of uh, breakout on that. And, and we can talk about the RS4 and the, the E46 in a second. But uh, I think I've realized that uh, I need to go back to what was fun about working on cars as opposed to what the videos that I was making, which is just like, make a ton of power and if I can't install it, like go pay a shop to do it. Like I want to go right. back to learning. Right. I want to go back to um, creating the content that, that anyone can produce in their drive. Like, like any, I mean, realistically, as long as you have the financial means, anyone can go out and buy E46 M3 and restore it the way that I've been restoring it recently. It's, yeah. it's as simple as, you know, detailing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swap some parts on it. We're going to do, you know, a couple aesthetic mods, stuff like that. But I'm not going to go crazy with it. I want it to be a relatable build and I want it to be something that, like high school Eli and Powen could have built because that's what was fun. Going going over the top and going crazy is is no longer fun. And, I, and I'll do that with the S6. It'll take time. It'll come. We'll make, you know, seven, 800 horsepower, whatever. But um, I want to buy other cars in the meantime that have that kind of high school feel to them, that simplicity to them that, that I can uh, really kind of work on. How do you think that the platform or the audience has changed since you started? Because I think, you know, let's say, let's go back to 2016, Eli, you've got a Mark V GTI, you're, you know, you're, you're doing all kinds of fun little muds. Like a, a, a successful video didn't mean you did an engine rebuild. It might've been like installing clear side markers on the damn thing. Like it could have been literally anything, but it was a fun thing that you, that, that people wanted to learn how to do and they wanted you to teach them. Now, we, we you've been through you know you've always shot you you are not afraid to shoot your shot when it comes to project cars and that's something i like i greatly admire because i 
I put as little financial money into my channel as possible, just gear. I just go with gear. Um, granted, I don't really do like builds or anything like that, but you know, how do you think that from 2016 to today, like how, how are you, how are you doing your E46 build or, or restoration or whatever you want to call it? Like, how are you doing this series differently than you might've done in 2016? That's a great question. Um, I, I think, and you've seen it too as a consumer. And I know a lot of people who are listening to this have seen this as a consumer that the YouTube car world went from car reviews were the big thing in 2015 to like 2016 then all of a sudden, Casey Neistat comes into the scene and he says, look at this stuff. Like, You don't have to uh, uh, watch videos for cars anymore or for uh, you know, whatever it is, music, scenes, whatever. You want to watch videos for the people. And so that has shifted to uh, David Patterson is a perfect example. You watch David for David, but you also watch David for the cars that are being reviewed. And, and the way that people want to consume content has switched to we want to watch the videos for David and maybe for the cars that he's reviewing but ultimately we want to watch it for for David and so the same thing happened um for me it was like you know initially I was I was capitalizing on the fact that people wanted to see cool cars on the internet and then I realized that the consumption had shifted and people wanted to see me build a car on the internet now uh, I'd like to think and maybe this is me going out on a limb here, I'd like to think that I've always held true to the values of one, uh, building cars that would make high school Eli proud. Like high school Eli would see it and be like, damn, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and two, uh, building cars that, you know, with, with this YouTube influence, I'm lucky enough to work with brands. I'm lucky enough to get certain sponsored parts, et cetera, et cetera. I'd, I'd like to think that I've held true to building cars that I would have otherwise built even if these brands weren't involved. Like if this brand had said, I'm not interested in working with you, I would have gone out and bought the part anyway. It just would have taken more time. Um, so I, and in that way, I think the YouTube world has shifted a lot where you've seen people, uh, we went through this phase of buying crashed cars and now crash cars are so expensive that we've gotten into, uh, people want to see YouTubers buy cars with stories. Um, and uh, that that is what this E46 is. It's a car with a story, right? But... Um, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. No, Tom. no, it's okay. I'm, you're, you're getting there. But like, so I guess to cap it off, it's like, so what, what do you hope to give your audience on this round that might be different than what you were doing on your Mark five GTI? I mean, like you're a big boy now, you know, like it's one thing we were watching a couple of kids. I mean, literally like we're watching a couple of kids back then you and Powell, and now you're like an adult, but you still have the same, I mean, it's still the same you. I mean, I'm not like, it's not like watching some, you know, aged old man, like you're, you're still you doing the thing. How, how, but I think it's just a little more refined, I guess. But, you know, is the audience at the end of the day still basically looking for the same thing that they were looking for in 2016? You just have to deliver it to them in like a more updated, like view, uh, I don't know, style. That is, that's exactly where I was going. And I, I lost my train. So thank you for getting I, me back I there. See um, you were beaming it through laser beams out of your eyes. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, I think the difference between content now and content then is that people are consuming content uh, uh, much more off of the home page on YouTube as opposed to the subscription page. So I need to put a video out there that even though someone subscribed to me, they, they see the title and they see the thumbnail and they click it not because it's me, but because it's appealing to them. Yeah. And then they remember, oh, this is Eli's video or this is Eli's car that he's building or something like that. I think there's much more attachment to 
uh, uh, stories again. Like, like I have to tell the story of this E46 M3, and to a certain extent, I told the story of my Mark V, and I told that journey, but I told that story through DIYs as opposed to now I'm going to tell the story for this through for this E46 through the restoration process and through you know doing things on it that that ultimately if you go back and you watch every video chronologically instead of me jumping around to hey here's a how to here here's a how to there here's a how to here it's going to flow much more where it's hey I bought this car here's what's wrong with it here's me cleaning it up here's me starting to install some parts that are broken here's sure. me fixing some stuff here's me breaking some more stuff so each in each video has its individual appeal like it did in 2016 but it needs to have that pull in enough that people can jump in at any point and and watch the video sure but it's it's something where someone's going to jump in and say hey here's a video oh look there's a video where he bought it oh look there's a video where everything's wrong with it and and people consume the story instead of just consuming the individual videos and moving on i feel like the big change that I've felt over the last few years is that people are even less patient than they were in 2016. You used to be able to put out a video that 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 filmed like a movie, right? That you walk in and there's like this nice, oh, a slow intro and some cool music. And oh, who's that? Who's that walking over there? That does not fucking work anymore. If they don't know who no. you are, you better explode something now and show me what's up. Like I need to know now the first five seconds. If This is why every one of my videos starts with an acceleration, whether it even matters in the video or not. It's like, no, I need to hook you so you know that this is something. And then like, and it's crazy. It's just literally the only people who can do a video that like is actually cinematically written and and is is top gear is the grand tour even top gear doesn't work anymore i don't even watch top gear anymore love chris harris haven't really watched top gear since the boys right. have moved on to the grand tour and even the grand tour feels a little stale at this point yeah and you know even uh, you know the proof is in the pudding when you look at the smoking tire and this isn't to neg on the smoking tire but they just went and did this whole series that's basically like a kind of like an all cars go to heaven thing um yeah that used to be behind a paywall but now they've done this ebay collaboration and they've got you know right. challenges these videos must have taken so long and so much money and so much effort and so much editing and so much planning. And I think they've released all of them now. They've gotten maybe 30,000 views a piece. Right. Like how I saw I actually noticed that same thing. How depressing. I'm like, fuck me, you can't make this shit. So it's like, it's the dream that we all make some incredible cinematic masterpiece. But the reality is you got to go like to the point and you got to upload a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the algorithm loves that. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, I've held true to that value uh, that I've, I've always said. If people ask me about YouTube, I say I'm a filmmaker before I'm a YouTuber. Sure. Like, I would much rather tell a story and put, to get, put out like an absolute banger of a video where the people who do watch it are like, wow, like that was really great, than put together like a GoPro vlog of me buying nine more cars. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I, That's exhausting. Oh, all right. Let's get into your cars because you have Hit been, me. yeah, you've been a Volkswagen guy since I've known you. And you're like, you're one of the few people that I know that I'm like, oh, he's a fanboy. Like you love Volkswagen products. Volkswagen Audi is your shit, even though you're like not a Porsche person. So you kind of fall off the wagon there. But you buying this M3 was twofold crazy. One, you were buying like this crazy high mileage car that's like notorious for you know, being a finicky thing over a hundred thousand miles and you're at 341. Uh, and two, 
you have been almost an active BMW hater, which I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because I'm not a fanboy. I just buy, I just bought the cars I bought because I'm like, oh, that's a fun engine or that's whatever. Um, and so you go in and being like, I'm buying an E46 M3 was like, who, who are you trolling me this hard? Because I mean, people don't know this, but like I talk to you every day. So <laughs> when I saw this come through our group chat, I was like, all right, all right, all right. Somebody's been drinking. What's going on? What's the joke here? And there was no catch. You were serious. No, there was no catch. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always been drawn to the the Volkswagen and the Audi brand. I think the design language speaks a lot to me. I think the the way the cars are built and the amount of practicality in what they do has, has always spoken to me as a person. I would say that I'm someone who likes nice things but doesn't like flashy things. Yeah, that you're makes a, sense. You're a sleeper guy, and your your S6 is like the proof right there because that is a pretty fast car. I mean, you're in the 11s and a quarter mile, right? So you're in tens. tens okay sorry you're in the tens that's like a 10 nine um but it is in the tens uh but it's a 10 tom i mean that that fucker hauls you're breaking axles in that thing because it's got so much torque and that's so cool and yet it's just like a very ordinary i mean other than the fact that you got sweet wheels on it like it's a fairly ordinary looking vehicle like to to a non-car person they do not know what lurks beneath that hood right i think that's always been my style and if if you look back at the builds that I've done, I mean, the S4 comes to mind. Towards the end, it got a little bit flashy with, like, the carbon fiber stuff. But I've never done a car that's been, like, in-your-face shouty with crazy camber and crazy poke and stuff like that. I, I'm big on fitment. I love fitment. That's sure. probably my favorite thing of, of the car world. But I've never done anything that's, like, insanely in-your-face. And I think that's why Volkswagen Audi's design language speaks so much to me is because I think they do a lot of the same thing. I think BMW is a little bit shouty. And uh, Mercedes all have electrical problems, so that kind of turned me off there. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. That, that Maybach I was driving was perfect. No, nothing was wrong as long as you were reading it upside down and uh, with a mirror. It was fine. For those for those who are hearing me for the first time, I have a very dry sense of humor. And Tom and I are also very close. So I promise I'm not being a dickhead. Um, I'm just, just being deadpan and, and saying silly things. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm coming across serious. He's such um, a prick. But, <laughs> so it's at some point, and, and I think the RS4 is the catalyst for this, like I said. Um, so you bought this well, RS4 actually, on cars and bids. This was the first oh foray God. into this shit. You bought it. You, you and this was it. another one where I thought you this was bullshit because I was in Portland, Maine, and you texted the group chat and said, oh, and you sent the car and said something like, casual like to me, I thought you were saying, should I buy this? And I looked at it, I glanced, and I put the phone back in my pocket. 30 or 40 minutes goes by, and I and I had this like vision of the text again. I'm like, wait, did he say he bought this? And then I looked and you went, oh shit, I won the bid. And you bid on this car on Cars and Bids, probably not <laughs> expecting that you would be anywhere near the winning bid. And then you bought the car. All right. So uh, I'm on my way to the dentist's office. Uh, so I found this car literally the day before it ended. I was bidding on a Porsche Cayenne the day before. Um, and... Uh, my friend Jake and I have been talking back and forth about buying an RS4 for the channel because I was feeling burnt out, like I said, about the S6 videos. And I was yeah. like, I want something fresh that I could just tinker with, something different that I haven't experienced. Naturally aspirated six-speed manual V8 four-door sedan from an older generation than all of the cars that I've owned pretty much. Right. It's a B, what are these, like that, B7s? That, B7s? B7. Yeah. yeah it, it ticks all the boxes. It's, sure. a, it's an 07, so it's even older than my uh, GTI, which was an 08. Um, it just kind of ticked all the boxes of like interesting and different. And that's what that's what I needed to kind of spice up my uh, my my car life and my YouTube life. Sure. Um, and so 
Uh, Jake and I have been talking about RS4s forever. This car popped up. I was like, wouldn't it be cool to take that car at 200,000 miles? I, in, without even realizing it, I was because trying to buy like, a car. It had like 180 something on it? It had 192.5. Okay. Um, so another and, really great choice because everyone knows that an RS4 4.2 liter at 192 <laughs> miles an hour is just a cherry waiting to pop, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I learned very quickly how much of a cherry that car was. Um, I and there's, and there's no, that. Yeah, there's no way you could have known based on forums, no. YouTube videos, uh, millions no. of articles about how ultra reliable these cars are and how they don't they don't suck your wallet dry at all. They're just perfect. All right. The camera. All right. Easy. Easy there. <laughs> easy there. You hurt my feelings now. I'm going to do like the Island Boys and walk off of the, the Logan Paul podcast, or the Jake Paul podcast, whatever it was. Oh, God. Um, but so I'm on my way to the dentist's office and there's one minute left in the auction and like four different people texted me bid again. Um, and it was at sixteen five. Uh, I don't think I've ever said how much I paid for it, but it's out there. In I mean, it's on it was the at sixteen five, um, and so they go just bid two fifty more. It's only two hundred fifty bucks. Sure. I go this guy who I've been bidding against has literally matched my bid every time that I've bid so far, and I know that we're still below the reserve. So odds like his reserves probably set at seventeen. So right. I bid sixteen seven fifty, which is now a running joke in my group chat. Uh, we send cars and bids stuff. Is that your nickname? No, now? We, we, we send cars and bids cars and say, look, it's at 16. You should bid 16,750. <laughs> um, but so I bid 16,750 and the timer goes down to zero. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I won. And it was over the reserve. I think his reserve must have been 165. Oh, my God. Um, and I go, oh, I won. And then like the panic set in. I was like, now I'm not just on the hook for a $400 cars and bids fee or 600 or whatever it was. I'm on the hook for 16750 You for have to car. buy this car. You have to give this I have to money. buy this car. I'm, I'm contractually obligated. I, I mean, there's probably some way you could back out of it, but I wasn't going to go through all that. So I go into the dentist's office, and I get two cavities drilled. And Tom, uh, like, I might as well have had no Novocaine in my mouth. Like, I was not paying attention. I hate the dentist. I was not paying attention to the dentist whatsoever. I'm sitting there going through my head. What am I going to do with this car? Where am I going to put it? Who am I going to insure it through? What am I going to do? Am I going to buy it? Should I back out? Can I find someone else to buy it? You know, like my mind is rapid fire going through it. I end up getting the car. Um, it's up here for about a month uh, or actually probably three weeks at that point. Um, and there's just so much wrong with this car that was not represented <laughs> or it was hidden online. It was so poorly represented on cars and bids. And I reached out to cars and bids. The seller is banned which did a lot because I still bought the car. Um, so, you know, retroactively great. But yeah, um, I get an Instagram message from this guy. He says, hey, I'm the previous owner of your RS4 and I want it back. And I said, what? So not the guy you so bought I, it from, but the guy who he bought it from. The guy who he bought it from. Okay. So I go through his Instagram profile and sure enough, there is my car. There is it getting resprayed on the driver's side, which we noticed. There is it getting, you know, this, getting that. It, it just, it was my car. It was 100% my car. So I give the guy my phone number. We get on the phone. We talk for like an hour. He's like, hey, did he tell you that the clutch needs to be replaced? I was like, no. He's like, is the clutch pedal sticking? I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I told him the clutch needs to be replaced. And this guy had driven it 3,000 miles in three months. So like he should have done maintenance on it. Sure. Um, there was just a, a whole bunch of stuff that he listed off that I was like, oh, yeah, that it has that problem still. It has this problem still. It has that. So... 
he goes, I want the car back, name your number. And at this point, the videos were doing pretty well. I had just kind of really launched the car. Yeah, I was this like, was I don't want to sell this it. Was your big, uh, this was your big resurgence to YouTube, too, because you had been pretty like, oh, God. Like, yeah. You could tell you were burned out. And then you bought this car. And I was excited for you. I was psyched because you, your yeah. unveil like, did well. I remember the first few hours, it did like 11,000 views. And I remember calling you and being like, Eli, it fucking worked. Good on yeah, you. I was so it psyched. It worked. And you know what I did, Tom? I stopped telling the story of the car, and I started talking about RS4s in general, and the vid- the views dropped <laughs> off. And that solidified that people are in it for the story of the car, and as long as I can keep them roped into the story of the car, the views will stay there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so this guy goes, I'll, I'll buy the car back from you. And I was like, I don't want to sell it. I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Like, it would be the financially smart move to get my money back out of the car. And so I did, and it worked out well, and, you know, the happy ending's there. Um, and time goes by and I'm looking through project cars, like, what should I do next? What would be fun? What would be different? What would be interesting? Um, I was looking at uh, B6 and B7 S4s, which is the same motor as the RS4, only it has many, many, many more issues than the RS4 motor does. So, uh, you know, very smart decisions. But I was like, I'll send that out. I'll get a built motor. I'll, I'll put a supercharger on that. It'll be great. Um, and I was looking at uh, E39 540s. Yeah, and that's um, a, that's a very similar story where the M5 is a much more robust engine than the 540s because you have a single timing chain and you have like plastic chain guides that break and it's like a whole thing and it's like you'd think oh it's the cheaper simpler car it's like oh my god you're in for a world of hurt with a 300,000 or 250,000 mile 540. Yeah, I mean I was playing with the idea of uh, like manual swapping a 540 wagon. I, I think that's where my kind of interest into the BMW world sparked up, and I was looking at a couple different. Uh, mid-2000s Mercedes. I mean, the mid-2000s is really the pinnacle of, like, pretty decent cars that are, like, not easy to work on, but, like, not as complicated as modern cars to work on. And I say modern, I mean, like, 2016 and up cars that I'm playing with now um, that make decent power or decently reliable and are safe. I I think safety is much more of a priority for me, one, uh, since I had my kid, but two, since I got in the accident in the S4. Yeah, the plow hit you. I was looking at Mark II GTIs for the longest time, and I was like, look, like, if a plow can hit me out of the blue on a snowy day, imagine what happens when I get hit by an 18-wheeler out of the blue on the highway, you know, on a sunny day You're or whatever. a sardine can so, in a Mark II GTI. I mean, that's it. It's done. So I'm like, well, let me let me find one of those mid-2000 cars. And, and uh, my coworker, JR, has this E46 M3 that he loves, and I love to make fun of JR for that car. No torque, sounds bad, uh, uh, you know, BMW driver stereotypes, you name it. I've, I've said it about the E46 M3. Um, but at some point, I was like, man, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be against this. Alex Weiss has in a group chat with me, and he's on the hunt for one of those, although it'll be, you know, a year or two before he buys one. But he constantly sends them in the group chat. I'm like, well, they're really not bad-looking cars once you, you know, you lower them and you put some wheels on them and you get them you get them looking right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this car came up. It was sent in our work group chat. My buddy Jacob, uh, another coworker from FCPRO, goes, uh, this is the old dealership that I worked at. I know the owner. He has this car. It's a 341,000-mile single-owner E46 M3. That's insane. And a I said, single person put that many miles. I mean, that's that's bananas. It, it really is. I mean, and from 2004 to, to 2021, almost 2022. So, you know, it, it, it was a good amount of time the guy had the car. He clearly loved it by the condition of the car. Um but my first response to Jacob is that is the perfect YouTube car. Like, it is a car that interests me enough to own where I'm not painfully making videos about something that I hate. 
Like if I bought a, a Civic Si, I, I can imagine I would not be happy doing that. But E46 is close enough to what I know that it'll be fun. It's something different. I talked about this in the Unveil video. I, I love the research phase and I love the learning phase of, of buying cars. And the cars that I've bought recently have been so similar that I already know a ton about them. Yeah. This E46 stuff is wild. I, I mean, I don't know anything about these cars. And luckily, it's um, so heavily documented, and you have, like, literal, like, first degree of separation phone calls to me or any of my BMW friends that, like, we've got, we're we're easily accessible to be like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Or yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you know, honestly, it didn't really hit me until after I bought the car how many of my friends are BMW people and know these cars so well. Um, but, like, almost everyone that I talk to on a regular basis is a BMW guy. I mean, I got um, under that car when we brought it to FCP Euro after you bought it, and I felt like I was at home. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even tell you how many, like, tears and, and fists have been, you know, shed tears and and i'm trying to say this in a clear way i've definitely punched walls over my m5 and i've spent so much time under that car that when i get under anything of that era i'm like oh i know exactly what i'm looking at i know exactly what's really wrong with it and when it's someone else's car i can be more objective because i'm not trying to convince myself that there's not an expensive mistake that i'm gonna have to fix where i can just look and be like that's a rear main seal that diff is leaking that bushing is destroyed oh there's a little baby crack there on that subframe we're gonna need to weld that up things like that like those are things that yeah and and because the car i think because you bought a car that is objectively old and worn you don't need you're almost like not liable for the stress of the car it's not like you went and spent fifty thousand dollars on something and you're like oh my god i can't believe i have to spend another five thousand dollars it's like no right you knew what you were getting and you expect a certain amount of of trauma from this thing and that's the reason you bought it exactly yeah i want to i want to tell that story i want to i mean the the beauty of the youtube world and what i learned about the rs4 when i when i first bought it is people want to hear what it's like and pretend that they are you as far as owning this car goes but the beautiful thing is when you run into trouble eli is running into trouble not you so you can experience all that trouble you can experience all that emotions you can be like what would i do to fix this but you never are, are financially involved in it. Um, and ultimately, you're not on the hook for anything other than watching the video. Like, you could leave the video at any point. If, it, if, if, if my rod bearings go and my motor blows up and that stresses you out, like, you could pause the video. But I can't pause the video in real life. Like, this that, is why you need I've got to keep going on this that This is why one. you need a dash cam. Because I always thought the same thing with my M3 before I, I did the rod bearing job. I was like, oh, my God, if these rod bearings go and I don't get it on camera, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Because, yeah, uh, we, we talked about gold. that on the ride back. That's yeah, gold, I, man. I, I need to set that up. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, ultimately, why did I buy this E46 M3? Um, I don't really know. Like, the, I mean, I, I could tell you it's a great YouTube car. I could tell you that I want to explore BMW. I, but the, the thing and the reason why I was wavering so much when we were down there is I was like, why do I want this car? And I don't think I've figured it out yet. I think that it's a good car and it's a learning opportunity. And like I said, you know, it's a great YouTube car, but something inside me was like, you should buy that car. And I haven't figured out the exact logic behind it. And to a certain extent, sometimes there isn't that logic. Like no. the S6 makes perfect sense for my life. Sure. Everything about the S6 is super logical, except for the fact that it's a V8 and it gets like eight miles to the gallon through the city of Boston. Aside from Miserable. that, everything about the S6 makes makes sense in my life. The E46 makes almost zero sense as far as what I'm going to do with the car 
But something inside me was like drawn to it. I was drawn to that story, and, and I wanted to experience it firsthand. That's and good. And now I have this like, like hell bent mindset of like I'm gonna make this car look like it has a hundred thousand miles on it, not three hundred fifty thousand miles on it. So I'm like going through Bureau's website, and I have like nine things in my cart right now, and I'm looking online. I just found out uh, that uh, the window trim behind the little pop out windows in the back uh, is part of that bigger like window trim piece it only comes as one piece from bmw they're eight hundred dollars a side currently oh uh, and that God. like genuinely pissed me off because i was like oh i'll replace that like that'll be an easy way to make it look better um so i'm like on this hell-bent mission and it's a, a very interesting and a very fun and a very different mission than i've ever been on with a car before to make this car look like it has less mileage than it does so that when i tell someone the mileage they don't go cool they go no way no i i already think it's kind of a no way car but once you clean up that interior which i saw you were steam cleaning it and stuff like oh my god it's gonna make such an impact on 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 a getting into it because i think when you first got in that car you're like oh if i breathe i'll die <laughs> now it you're did like, not smell great it was very old old and musty yeah um I mean, I think you're going to have fun with it in the winter anyway, because this is a car that's going to introduce you to the rear wheel drive world. And honestly, I think that's going to, that's what's going to sell you on, oh, this is fun. Like, it's not going to wow you in a straight line. E46s, even though all the fanboys believe they're God's gift to the world, they're pretty chunky. It's a heavy car. So even as a road car, like without stripping them, they're not like that impressive. Um, They just are balanced, you know, they're well balanced and that's what's going to make it fun in the snow. I'm excited to uh, to learn the realm of real wheel drive. I'm like in my brain racking through places I can go and do some donuts in an abandoned parking lot before I get the cops called on me. It's all we want. And when you're like in your you know late 20s or you know I'm in my early 30s, it's like it's almost like a joke if someone's calling the cops on you for like doing donuts in a parking lot. You're like, hello, sir. Like, hello, guy my age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yes, I was going a little sideways. Fun. I was going a little sideways in 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 this empty parking lot with nothing to hit, and they're like, "Okie doke, bye." Yeah. And then that's that. It's not like I'm like lighting the like the a tire on fire and sending it through a crowd of people in Florida. I mean, Jesus Christ! It's just you know, people are nuts, and you're you're now mature, and you can go and enjoy so some I, donuts in your vehicle. I have had one of those moments recently one of the like worried about phone like like you know in high school when you're like speeding through a neighborhood that you shouldn't have been speeding through and you see like the person whip out their phone and you're yeah like, and oh then, no like they're gonna call about the police for- and the police are gonna come find me and my mom's gonna come tell me and she's gonna take the car away and they're my, my parents are paying for my insurance my insurance is gonna go up blah 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 yeah, you think about i had hours. one of those moments recently um and i'm i'm you know like there's really no reason that i should have had it i mean borderline so um i put i have drag slicks for the s6 yeah um that car has notoriously weak axles um and it has very small turbos on it right now that deliver i don't know 650 or 700 foot pounds of torque right (laughs) at like 3300 or 3500 rpms down down low in the rev range so you have a, a slow moving heavy object with very grippy tires on it that is getting a lot of torque delivered to axles that are not designed to withstand that kind of torque if the tires aren't also breaking loose. Um, So I was getting ready to go to the drag strip. I was going to run my first 10. I had this all in my mind. Um, So I put the slicks on, and something in the back of my mind says, go make a street hit. Like, I haven't launched this car in a hot second. Like, let's go make a street hit. Um, So I go 
basically uh, to Mexico near my <laughs> parents' house, yeah. um, and I uh, I set the car up on launch control, and the car hooks and leaves, and I must have been doing like the the first. I don't know, zero to 15 was glorious. And then <laughs> then the clutch, like, really engaged, and the torque, like, really hit, and all of a sudden it goes, boom! And the first thing I think of is there was a lady doing yard work, like, oh, three houses no. down the road. There's no way she didn't just hear that boom. I'm going gradually up a hill that crests in about 300 feet, and then there's a long downhill after that. I'm like... This lady is going to call the cops on me, and I'm going to be sitting on the side of the road with a broken axle with a car that doesn't drive. At that point, I thought it was my transmission because your mind goes to the worst case. But I'm like, either way, my car will not drive when I hit the gas. So I had that, like, high school moment where I was like, oh, no, like, I'm, I'm going to get in big trouble here. Like, I've done something really bad, even though I really hadn't done anything no. that bad. And the good news is um, most cops don't know enough about cars to be like, the only way you broke an axle was because you were launching it on slicks, boy. They have no idea. You just be like, oh, my car broke. They're like, neat, AAA, have a great day, bye, and then you're off. Like <laughs> the, story, the story doesn't end there, Tom. So I, uh, I'm, I broke this axle going uphill, and I have like maybe 50 feet to go to the top of a hill, and the car is slowed down to like five miles an hour. So what is the only logical thing to do when your car is slowing down? You're almost at the top of the hill. You open the door. No, and you, you did and not you open the door, and car. you put one hand on the steering wheel, and you push as hard as you can. You flinched on the up. Be, there was a guy that was coming up behind <laughs> me looking at me, and I remember looking over my shoulder, and I waved at him, and I made it to the top of the hill, and I hop in, I slam the door shut, and I coast down the hill, find some side road near my parents' oh house, my God. and pull off. And uh, the now that I'm settled in, and I know the car won't drive, the first thing that goes in my mind is, who can I call to, to come pick me up to get my car home? Um, so I call my buddy Billy, who has a tow truck, and he's like, look, like I have some stuff to do. I won't get out there for a while. I call AAA. They say they're three hours out. I call my buddy Chris. He says, I'm, I'm on my way into Boston for a date, but I can turn around. I'm only two exits away. Yeah, she's not so that he turns around. <laughs> she's um, not as cool as a broken his, I-6. <laughs> <laughs> he's in his work van, um, and he, uh, he, he goes, I don't have tow straps in the van, though. I only have furniture straps. I'm like, well, it's worth something. So I'm sitting on the side of the road there. I'm putting in my tow hook. This pe- these people come out of their house. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm great. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, the car just broke. Um, and it doesn't go into drive. It makes a clunking noise. Um, my dad gets home from work and we're like basically across this main road from my parents' house. So Chris gets there in the van and he's got, you know, it's, it's a commercial work van. He's backing down the street. Beep, beep, (laughs) beep. I'm trying not to blow the, the headphone listeners ears out, but it is like the loudest backup thing in the world. Backing down the street to my car. We hook some furniture straps to it and we pull and they don't break. So we get to the main road. And I'm like, how the heck are we going to cross my, this road? And there goes my dad out into the middle of the road, crossing guard style. Oh, my one God. One hand out in a stop sign on one, hand, uh, one side, one hand out, a stop sign on the other, and straight up stops the traffic. And Chris puts the van in drive, and we flat tow the car across this main road onto my parents' street, and we got it home. My buddy Fernando and I changed the axle in the driveway the next day, and we went to the drag strip Sunday and ran a 10, not on slicks, because I learned my lesson. Well, that's fantastic. That makes me happy, and that is the kind of YouTube shit 
we need. That makes me, that's like, this is what I like about YouTube is that, sure, you can go live your supercar fantasies. And we have friends who do that and it's fun. And I've, I've lived the fantasy with them because I get to be the, the ride along and be like, well, look at me. I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, hundreds of miles in this Aventador with Dr. M3. But at the re end of the day, I am not that class of person. I am, I am here. I am the middle class car enthusiast. And I think we can all appreciate that in, in what you are doing. And, and the younger guys, I think who, who dream of the build, who dream of that, like, Ooh, I found a good deal. It needs work. What, what's going to happen. They can look up to this as well. And, and you're providing that. So I, I, I think this is a great place to to wrap. I, I'm so excited to see what goes on with this M3. I'm, I just want to see you stack miles on it. Like I want to watch you drive this because you, you're living in Boston, but you're working in Connecticut a lot. So I want to see this become a 400,000 mile E46 in the worst way. Well, it will be road legal as of Wednesday, hopefully. Um, and I would be happy to lend it to you for some long-term testing, put some miles on it yourself, get some enjoyment out of it, get her sideways a little bit. Um, it's it's yours when you want it. You're uh, you're welcome to it. I think that's gonna be uh, to to people that I trust. I think I'm just you know like it's it's a car that I'm not so worried about. I think it's fairly reliable. That if someone wants to drive it, like and and there's someone I trust, maybe I shouldn't put this out there on the podcast. <laughs> It'll be like the million mile Lexus, uh, but on a just, uh, on a yeah. lesser scale. No, I think that's great. I think because that's the thing is you can you know if you're not if you're you know if you're working from home and you're not putting miles on it you give it to somebody who's going to take it up to Maine for the weekend or something you know like just exactly get, get those and, and let people hikes. enjoy it i mean it's had 341,000 miles of enjoyment or now it's 342,000 miles of enjoyment so far like i want to i want to rack the miles up i want to see what happens when we hit you know 400,000 miles on an S54 i want to do all that stuff so uh, if i can get people to help me with that cuz i don't drive as much as i uh I used to, which is a good thing for my S6, but not a good thing when I already have a car with an insane amount of miles on it. Um, why not, right? I think it's funny, though. I mean, one thing I think is really interesting about this car is there's a person who spent, in period, probably sixty-seven to $70,000 on this car. It was it was sixty five nine seven okay sixty thousand five hundred something which in modern money is eighty three thousand dollars okay and then that's a lot of money on a car in 2004 um yes and 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 then you would think that someone who has that kind of scratch is going to just get another car in a couple of years or three or four years I never thought of that. That's a great point. And it like blows my mind that somebody who could have afforded a sixty something thousand dollar car knew just said, yeah, fuck it. We're going to keep it till it like, like that. That's fascinating to me. I get it. I mean, that shows that this person either a lost a bunch of money, um, or B or B just loved this car so much. They were like, no, there's literally nothing new that makes me want that more than my, at the time, probably like 225,000 mile M3, you know? Yeah. And I, I think based on the condition that the car is in, it's probably the second one. I think I, I would imagine that so I'm told that this guy drove from Chicago to Connecticut and back to Chicago and back to Connecticut. I would imagine that he probably, uh, you know, has some fond memories of cracking, you know, 150 miles an hour on some random road on the way to Chicago and, you know, beating his record of, of time between the two or, you know, uh, the time he got stuck in this snowstorm or this and that. And he, he probably has a ton of memories on this car. I'd love to get in touch with him. I don't want to kind of break his privacy because I bought it through a dealer. I mean, I have his name on the title, but... Uh, I, because I bought it through a dealer, I don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, 
contact him, but at the same time, like, man, like, he probably has some great stories about it, this car. So it, maybe one day. Yeah, give it time. And then I'm sure he has photos of himself with the car, too. I mean, so the same thing happened with my 911. I bought it from a guy. And that guy only owned it for a short amount of time, maybe a year. The guy who like really owned and used and built this car, um, he reached out to me a few months after I bought it, and he showed me all these great photos of it at the track and him driving it around and like all. That. I was like, wow, I got to see like the progression of that car. And so I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, give it a little time, reach out to him. I mean, it's not like you have to put him on blast, but like I'm sure he'd love if he put this many miles on this thing. I guarantee he will spend an hour on the phone telling you what it was like. Yes, I agree with that. I'll give it a little time, and then maybe he'll come to uh, come to the YouTube channel. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate this. we got to have you back anyway, because there's always a million stories we can tell. But I, at the very least, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this who either know you or want to know you. And now you've got this thing that I'm like, okay, this is the perfect hook. Because now you've got the crazy Beamer that we can show off. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a good time. So anyway. We'll see ne- you soon. Next episode, we're going to talk about the time I did 160 miles an hour past a, a alleged police officer. So stay tuned for that one. <laughs> I've been waiting to tell that story. I'm out of the stature of limitations on that now, Tom. So I've been waiting to tell that one. So we'll uh, we'll save that for next time. Maybe we'll do a, a three-way podcast with Doc Dam3 because he was there as well. I would uh, love but to that. But that is a great story. We'll, we'll save that for next time. That sounds um, good. But thank you so much for having me on. This is fun. I, I have, I've never done a podcast with someone else. I've always been the one leading it. So it's it's nice to get guided through the questions instead of doing the guiding. I appreciate yeah. you for that. No, it's great. I appreciate it. And I love like a last minute thing because I don't have to stress about it all day. We're just like, hey, let's go do the thing. And we do it. So, Beauty. all right, great. I'll see you soon. And that's the show for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a phenomenal new year. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eli. And I, I look forward to seeing the content that he's going to make with this car because I'll tell you what, I'm a BMW owner. I've always loved my BMWs, but they are temperamental. There is definitely truth to the idea that your BMW may not be the most reliable thing in the world. And there's always going to be the guy. There's always going to be the guy that says, well, my uh, E92 M3 has 167,000 miles on it. And I've never had an issue. And I'm like, that that's like literally not possible. Or you're, this person just must be ignorant to the fact that their car vibrates and leaks and they just don't care, which is fine. It'll run. It'll always go. I mean, most, most cars will always start and run. But really, do you want to be trashing your driveway and leaving giant oil slicks everywhere you go? Do you want to be feeling driveline vibrations at 66 miles per hour and anything above that feels like it's going to rattle the diff apart? There's a piece of me that wishes I could just be completely ignorant to all the the pain points of a vehicle. And maybe that's what makes a a, a pain-free driving experience for all these miles. But I know Eli is more like me and he's going to scrutinize every nut and bolt in this car. So I'm looking forward to seeing how far he takes it because really you, you have to make some decisions on, on how much money you're going to sink into a car that isn't worth a whole lot, but means a lot to many people. So thank you guys for respecting the drive. Thank you for a phenomenal year. I, I can't thank you enough for supporting the channel, whether it's just by watching the, the, the YouTube channel or listening to the podcast or going so far as to support me on the Patreon, literally whether it's a dollar or $10 a month, anything really means the world to me. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Be well, 
be safe, have fun with your friends. Uh, I, I look forward to 2022. I hope you're looking forward to 2022. And if you're not, if you're just like, oh my God, this winter is a miserable son of a bitch coming up. Find something to be looking forward to. Choose a new activity. What I need to do is I need to get back into the gym. That's that's the one thing that I really need to do. Because exercise, I don't care about what I look like. Well, I do care about what I look like. But it's more about the emotional stability. Because <laughs> if I'm not doing any cardio, I think I, I just deteriorate emotionally. So that's the thing. Find out what you're doing. I'll, I'll see you in the next one. And Happy New Year.